Hi, and welcome to the Abundance Project podcast. I'm Joy Paquette. And I'm Alyssa Wathen. We are the co-founders of the Abundance Project, a coaching-based company centered around supporting as many of you as we can in building a better you today. Through extensive research and education in health and from our own personal experiences, we're going to be talking about all things mental health, physical health, general wellness, success, lifestyle, and everything in between. Follow our journey as best friends and life coaches and begin one of your own with new, insightful, yet relatable episodes released every Wednesday. Welcome to the Abundance Project and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode eight of the Abundance Project podcast. And today we're talking about listening. We're continuing our mini series there about communication uh and this one has tons of stuff that we can talk about so super excited to talk about listening today and i think a good place to start would be when we talk about the three types of listening let's hear Um, yeah let's go so number one we've got passive listening and this is when you're kind of just waiting for your turn to speak or to interject. So this is the worst. When I'm saying number one, I don't mean the best. This is the worst kind of listening. Uh, number two, we've got active listening, which is better. It's listening with focused intent and empathy. Uh, but number three, this is the level that you want to strive to attain in your listening. So it's called collaborative listening. We touched on this a little bit in our first episode about communication where we had to keep things a little bit more broad Um, Mm -hmm. but now we're going into listening so number three collaborative listening this is when you're listening with intent and empathy like number two but the addition on this one is that you're collaborating and you're learning with the other person that you're speaking to because basically what defines collaborative listening is that it's synergistic uh, which means that you're creating something greater than the sum of the parts that each person is bringing to the conversation individually. So you're considering the output. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is the one that we're (laughs) trying to. You just said that so casually. (laughs) Yeah, it's the one that we're trying to strive to because it's, uh, you know, when you're thinking about listening, you want it to be a two person, you want it to be a dialogue, not a monologue. Right. So this is why synergy is important because you're considering the input of the others or the other person as a key ingredient Mm -hmm. for whatever your goal is. Yeah, I feel like a really big part of the collaborative listening is not just like this sounds weird, but not just listening. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. you also it's collaborative listening in the sense that it's a collaborative sense of communication where you're also asking questions and not just listening to whatever information is being said Mm -hmm. and I think it's I mean it's almost like you're doing a little bit of investigative work like you're listening Mm -hmm. to what they're saying but you're also asking questions that aren't just yes or no questions like they're more Mm open-ended so that they give you more information and then you learn more and the exchange you walk away knowing a lot more than you did or just the like small sum of what they first told you in the first place exactly exactly that's a hundred percent what you're describing is that synergy it's walking in with what you have the other person or people walk in with what they've got but you all walk out with more because it's a collaborative space you know like that worst kind of listening 
the passive listening when you're just kind of hearing the words of the other person and you're just waiting until they're done speaking to say what you want to say you're not it's it's not even just uh you know to be mindful of the other person the conversation it's just that you're not really going to get much out of it if you're doing it yeah exactly well even i have an example of that kind of (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is embarrassing i'm gonna be embarrassed if nobody relates to what i'm about to say so (laughs) please pretend like you know what i'm talking about in school when i was like in elementary school in middle school you know when you guys would all be reading some kind of text or a book or something and the teacher would do the thing where they're like oh this person's gonna read a paragraph and then the next person will read the next paragraph and it goes down the line of all the desks I didn't listen to a single thing that anyone else was reading because I would literally I was so I was so anxious for my part to read out loud in front of the class that I would count the people that were ahead of me and count the paragraphs and flip through the book to which paragraph I think is going to line up to be mine. And I would just keep rereading mine, waiting for it to be my part just so that I could read and say my part and be done with it. And at the end of it, I literally missed like, the entire chapter because I was just so focused on saying my part <laughs> to any teachers listening beware of this it causes <laughs> anxiety okay I hate it I would rather just read it by myself I would rather oh, just read sure. it by myself that was not based in a sense of me not really caring to listen properly that was solely out of anxiety fear <laughs> literal fear But I mean, I feel like it's a really good example because that's like almost like a physical example of that kind of listening when you're just waiting to interject. Or I find that in, I don't know, arguments, I guess, or things where you're being a little bit more defensive, people can really slip into that passive listening where Mm -hmm. you just are wanting to get your point across so hard that you're not listening properly listening to what the other person's saying because you're just thinking about what you're going to say next and when you can interject it mm-hmm. yeah I 100% agree and I think it's funny because I don't know a single person who didn't do that like I think that oh my god there's some, <laughs> it was so traumatizing and then the teacher would would catch on and then switch up the order of like who reads what and then you just freak oh, out you know one time I <laughs> I counted and one of the kids went and went to the bathroom before his turn, probably trying to freaking get out of reading it. (laughs) Anyways, so the order got all messed up and then it was my turn and I was not prepared for it to be my turn and I wasn't prepared to read that paragraph. I also was in French school, so I'm reading it in a different language. Like I was really wanting to make sure I was getting everything across properly and I was so unprepared then I was flustered I was stuttering like people like that's the worst thing when you're in middle school is feeling like you can't read (laughs) oh yeah like you don't want to be that kid who just can't freaking read man and the whole class is getting annoyed and there's like that one girl who reads all the time and she's just like acting like she's chumming it with kindergartners (laughs) Oh my god, no, there was always in French class, especially the one girl who was actually French, and she would read all like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she was really the shit, and I was like, 
my voice is about to crack three times. Everyone's going to laugh at me because that is what happened a lot of the time. Oh, gosh. Like, you know me and my yeah. voice cracks. I'm still I a little bit of a boy. <laughs> that's, I think that's where passive listening stems from in children is those types of situations. They get used to it. And then later in their life, it's also like, I don't know if your mom's ever said this, but my mom says this all the time about my dad and I, <laughs> because mm-hmm. my dad and I are like siblings, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> we act the Daryl. Like <laughs> we act like it. My mom's always like telling us to stop freaking acting like kids. But anyways, <laughs> my mom will always be like, oh, people, you guys always just listen to the parts of things that you want to hear. Uh, so they'll be yeah. like, you just listen to what you want to hear and you don't listen to whatever else is being said because mm-hmm. I know you're going to get into this in a bit, but it's your mind is just wired for efficiency. You're just filtering and sorting through everything that's yeah. coming through and you're just listening and keeping the things that are just standing out to you that mm-hmm. you relate to and not everything which mm-hmm. I think obviously causes so much frustration from the person who's trying to communicate that. But it also mm-hmm. causes eventually, like it's going to cause a disconnect between whoever it is, you and your significant other, you and your mom, you and your friend, you and your coworker. If you're mm-hmm. constantly in this pattern of kind of just listening for the efficient, like efficient listening and not actual collaborative communication and listening, Mm-hmm. like you're not yeah. actually going to hear the things that these people are telling you and it it'll almost make you know them less yeah yeah exactly and I like the example that you brought about <laughs> about practicing the part that you would read in school because I think there's something to be said about people who you know they kind of stunt their own uh listening abilities because they're convinced that they're so bad at it when i think that that's a perfect example of how we're kind of taught like we'll get into the wired part right after but one we're taught not to listen in the best way because we're told we're literally told as kids no wait for your turn to speak raise your hand while others are talking so that you can speak and while you have your hand raised you're just rehearsing what you're saying so you don't forget oh my gosh I never even thought of that that's so true yeah I think it's just the way that we're taught to listen is not great and then secondly the way that we're wired to listen is just it's to do the opposite of high level listening because like you said it's exactly like you said we're wired for efficiency predicting planning and sensory perception is all about optimization Um, because basically like if we think about it from an evolutionary perspective the last time that our brain evolved was between 100,000 to 350,000 years ago like during the homo sapien lineage (laughs) oh my god that freaks me out to even think about that that was a time (laughs) I I'm spiraling I'm spiraling (laughs) exactly like it that was a while ago and if you think about what our main concerns were back then it was you know survival exactly what's going to serve us the best with that objective so Mm -hmm. you know at that time our brain is trying to make snap judgments it's trying to triage information based on its relevance to you exactly like you said it's trying to detect patterns in your environment 
so that you can efficiently predict future outcomes again for your yeah. survival and your best interests. So, you yeah. know, this is why we all perceive the outside world over the veil of our inside world. Because when we're encoding information, we're wired to attach our meaning of that event to the memory so that we can anticipate what to do and how to feel when we encounter it again. Um, so, you know, if you parallel that yeah. to collaborative listening, it's quite literally the opposite. It's just thinking, me, 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 how is this going to serve me? Uh, and that's really the opposite of what you need to be doing. Yeah, I think it's really cool that you pointed that out too, because I know I'm sure everybody at one point in their life has heard from somebody like, oh, you're not listening just because like you don't care what I'm talking about or mm -hmm. somebody will be talking to you and then they do that little trick where they just stop talking and they're like, tell me what I just said. Yeah. And oh my gosh. they like want you to repeat it all back to them because they don't think that you're listening or that you care. I think mm -hmm. it's important or honestly it's just really cool to realize that yes obviously that is the case sometimes but also it might just be something like this that you're not aware that you're doing because you're going back to almost your roots of mm -hmm. how your brain is wired to function when mm -hmm. you're processing information that somebody is telling you like it's one of those things that you're not going to notice it until almost until somebody points it out to you or until you learn about it. And then you're like, Oh mm -hmm. yeah, I kind of do do that a lot. Or if yeah. you're not doing that and you're like, Oh, maybe it's just because I genuinely like, I don't care what this person's talking about. And I need to look into myself to fix mm -hmm. that, to find ways for myself to be interested in conversations that I'm not normally interested in because not, mm -hmm because you're going to gain something from it or not not every single conversation do you personally gain like information or something that benefits you mm -hmm. and your knowledge but you're still building the relationship and you're mm -hmm. coming into the conversation with the intent to listen to this person yeah that's perfectly put because you're right like it's it's how we learn to do it and then when we're in those situations of anxiety even if it's as simple as you're just rehearsing what you're going to say whether you're in school or you're in a meeting you know we do this all the time everywhere Ooh, in all different yeah. contexts it's just when we're stressed it's normal for us to go back to and consult what's familiar and what we've done before which is exactly mm -hmm. how memory encoding works right you're literally yeah. enacting that process that you're wired to engage in when you're in a situation where your um, your adrenergic fight or flight system is activated, that's when you're thinking, okay, what similar situation where the same neural circuits were activated? Survival happened? mode. Exactly. This is the it's how yeah. the process works. It's it's all tied to listening really deeply. Um, so we do have to do a type of deep programming, um, and and I think when it comes to listening. If anyone, if any of you think that you're a bad listener and you're trying, you're listening to this because you're aware of it and you're trying to get better at it, just realize that everyone is programmed the same way like this, especially if, you know, I don't know how it'll differ across education systems, but I feel like it's pretty similar where yeah. that scenario of like waiting with the hand raised yeah. or waiting for your turn to speak. I think that's a pretty universal experience, you know? it might help to realize how much control you have over it. If we think about too how, um, if you look at someone's brain, 
with uh, a PET scan while they're listening. It's actually their prefrontal cortex that's working off the charts with activity because that brain structure's role is to organize, make sense right. of, rationalize, you know, prioritize certain information. It's a really logical type of process that happens. And that's something that you actively have control over. You know, a lot of people think listening is just all emotional. You're either an empathetic person or not, which is what makes you better yeah. at listening. That's it's an advantage, so true. but That's it's mostly so not your amygdala. It's mostly your, your logical, effortful part of your brain, you know? Well, so it's... And I'm not like an, a, a less empathetic person, like they can still be a great listener mm -hmm. if they don't have overwhelming amounts of empathy or mm -hmm. for people who do have a large, large sense of empathy to themselves, like they just exude empathy <laughs> exactly. listening can actually be something that they're super good at but then it comes with its own type of flaws almost of mm -hmm. you're almost getting too involved I think when mm. listening there is a really important thing that you need to think about of how you can be involved in the conversation and in the act of listening to this person, but not mm -hmm. too involved in the sense where now you're kind of taking on burdens or taking on emotions from this person and you're leaving feeling like your battery's kind of drained. When you're listening to somebody who's like venting about something's going on with them or they're upset about something you shouldn't leave the conversation almost feeling worse than when you came into it because 100%. it's not something that's directly affecting you that directly involves you your only role and your only purpose in the situation is to listen and mm -hmm. yes to be there to support them but that doesn't mean that you need to fix it or you need to take it on and I think that with people who are very empathetic I know this has been a problem that people have told me my entire life and I also have seen it in myself that I get I get too involved in mm -hmm. other people's emotions like I can't help it almost where if somebody is upset I'm gonna be upset if someone's stressed out I'm now stressed out because I'm trying to like also find a solution to it or I'm just mm -hmm. feeling all of this person's frustrations and emotions but also in mm -hmm. a good way if somebody's really happy like I will feel I will also feel that happiness but you have to also figure out where the line is to protect yourself as a listener Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. That's something that I wanted to bring up too. So I'm glad we're on the same page about that. I think, you know, for moving into our tips and what we do when we listen as people who have, you know, learned about the topic extensively. Um, one of the biggest parts of being a good listener has to do with yourself. Um, and it's distinguishing your space from the other person's space. Like you want to... Yeah. You want to, when you're listening, you want to be in responding mode versus reacting mode, which basically means you don't want to be absorbing so the smart. emotions. Yeah, you just want to be because basically your space is where your abundance lives. So you're going to be the most powerful and of the most service to yourself and to others when you stay in your position and yeah. you're, let's imagine it as a bubble of what do I have to offer? You know, you're, mm -hmm. you have to maintain your role especially when you're listening, because 
in every conversation, there's often an equal exchange of communication. But if what someone needs from you is for you to give them listening, you really want to remember which role you're in and how you're going to help them the best by doing that. So even just for yourself. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry, (laughs) I was going to say, I think a really kind of simple way of simplifying that for yourself to understand it would be you Mm -hmm. know when everybody's always like oh put yourself in this other person's shoes Mm -hmm. or like put yourself in my shoes Mm -hmm. put yourself in their shoes momentarily Mm -hmm. to like kind of understand it and listen to what they're talking about but then step out of them and let them step back into them don't put yourself in their shoes and then stay there you need to step back out of their shoes and let them step back into them. Like you're only there for a moment mm-hmm. while you're listening and you, you need to remember to take that step out. That's such a good distinction. That's a hundred percent true. Cause I agree. Like when I think about the space that I want to build for myself, when I'm in the act and I'm of listening and I'm giving listening to someone else is that I want to keep a space around me that's penetrable by ideas and perspectives, but it's not penetrable by the emotions of others. And it's like in the same, and that doesn't just mean them acting out in a certain emotional way that might, that I might respond to. No, it also means absorbing uh, the other person's emotions because I'm the same way as you. I'm, I've been called an emotional sponge. I don't know how many times, Yep, (laughs) which is, which is, you know, nothing is uh, just good or bad. It's it's really mm-hmm. useful, you know, especially in the position of a coach. It's useful to have so much natural empathy. But as someone who, you know, I, I have uh, requests made from people around me to give them listening when they need it pretty often, just as everyone else does, you have to start thinking about how you're going to maintain your position, which yeah. also means taking care of yourself in that instance. Because... yeah. The way that I'd say it is the power of giving your compassion and your empathy to others in that space of listening is that it's a gift, but it's not an exchange. You're not exchanging listening for carrying the burdens or the emotions of other people. That is so true. I literally had that on a sticky note. (laughs) Wait, actually? (laughs) Yeah. I literally had like in a little bit of different wording, but basically the same thing. I think you just you have to think about that whether it's before you're going into a conversation if it's like a conversation that you are like you're aware of is happening whether it's like a difficult conversation or whatever it might be take a second beforehand to remember that this is you in your space protect yourself as listener you are giving them compassionate empathy they are getting things off their chest but it's not an exchange Mm -hmm. it's a mutual understanding almost but it's Mm -hmm. not an exchange of okay now I'm gonna take on some of this baggage or okay now I'm gonna take on the emotional instability or whatever that might be that the other person's going through you can't walk away feeling Mm -hmm. heavier than when you came because you should have your baggage on you and their baggage on them I saw this thing I don't remember did I send it to you it was I don't know not really it was like a a social demonstration of 
kind of how listening can go wrong in terms of relationships when somebody will get in a relationship with somebody and since they're closely bonded or even with family members or like a really good best friend since you're so close and you consider this person family in your brain you're almost thinking or even in your heart like this person is an extension of you Mm -hmm. and I like I totally feel that way sometimes where I'm like this person is literally a part of me like if they're not happy I'm not happy if they're Mm -hmm. succeeding I'm succeeding like this person is an extension of me and my heart but Mm -hmm. what happens when you almost get too caught up in that is so he had a a girl with a bunch of duffel bags on her shoulders and a guy with a bunch of duffel bags and like bags that he was holding in his Mm -hmm. hands and so he was like okay give all of your bags to the girl or some give them all to one person so she's carrying all of her own bags and all of his bags and I think he had like one left and the guy was like oh like do you feel better and he was like yeah I feel so much lighter now and he was like yeah exactly you feel lighter but now she feels so much heavier because she has just taken on the that thing we we're talking about with it not being exchanged she's now carrying your burdens and your emotions and you're walking oh. away feeling better which mentally makes her feel better because she's like happy that you're happy mm-hmm. but she's not seeing that she's now put herself in a compromised position where she's mm. carrying all of these bags wow I love you know me. I love the visuals. That's such me an too. Interesting I way. saw that and I was like, "This is so perfect." It resonates really well with me. I really like that. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, I I agree. That's the thing. Listening is uh, you know, people think about it a lot as just catering to the other person who you're speaking with, and that is true for the most part. But you know, there is something to be said about listening to yourself too, which could playing really well with what you're talking about about protecting yourself first yeah um because yeah because in my opinion if you want to successfully gift listening to someone else and have it be mutually beneficial you really need to listen to yourself first and I I would say it's to do two things the first thing you want to do is to identify your current mental state and you're going to use that information as a reference point for where you are right now yeah and then yeah yeah and then the second you point really will be when you're not in a like stable or positive mental state, everybody has those mm-hmm. days or those periods in time, you're mm-hmm. viewing all of the things you're being exposed to through that kind of tainted lens. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to listen to somebody, like a lot of people also will almost listen to what other people are saying but look for things that would be beneficial to them in their situation Mm -hmm. or in their mental state and what the other person's saying but then I think you really got to realize that if you want the conversation to go that way then you have to make it known that that's what you're seeking out of the conversation that that's you're seeking answers Mm -hmm. or some kind of reflection you can't just look for your answers and your self-reflection through the lens of other people and try and like adapt it to work for you Mm -hmm. so I think just being aware 
being aware of where you are mentally before you kind of actually tune in to fully listening to somebody because it's also going to change the way that you perceive things as well. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, I fully agree. That's the importance of a mental check-in. I think that we mention this pretty frequently just because in my opinion, you know, everyone should be checking in with themselves and their current state and everything every single day before you go ahead and do anything. You always want to, you know, your power, I think, is in your awareness, especially mm-hmm. your awareness of of how you feel right now, what you want to achieve, how you're how you're working towards your goals, what you're about to yeah. walk into and and if the way that you feel now is going to advantage you in that situation or disadvantage you. I think that yeah. awareness gives you freedom in a way that checking so in with much. yourself can do the best I think in my opinion so So much I think you really have to be aware of the fact that I mean this sounds so stupid to say because it's like it's common knowledge but it's really kind of not your brain obviously your brain's the powerhouse for everything your brain's controlling everything in your future Mm -hmm. how you're feeling what you're doing your body like how you're reacting to things like your brain is the center in which all of these things are coming from. So if you don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on in your brain, obviously you're not going to know what's going on in all these other areas of your life. You're going to be confused. You're going to feel lost. You might be mad at yourself because you feel like this. And, but you have to go back to the root of where it's all coming from and be like, okay, what does this mean? Why am I Mm -hmm. so tired every single day at 1 PM? Why am I having a freaking mental breakdown every single time I have to go into work and have a meeting with this person? Like, Mm -hmm. you need to go back to the source and really dig deeper and analyze mentally, do a mental check-in with yourself because all of the answers are there. Mm, All of the answers are already within yourself. Mm -hmm. I think people kind of especially with their brain, like there's so many people that are like, oh, I hate my brain or I hate my mental state or it's so annoying. Like, this is just how I am. This is just my brain and I wish it wasn't like this. But your brain, obviously it's you. It's where your personality is. It's where everything is. That's you. You need to have the best relationship with your own mind and body before Mm -hmm. anyone else. It's like when people say, um, you can't love somebody else until you learn to love yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't properly listen to somebody else unless you start listening to yourself. You can't properly communicate with somebody else unless you start communicating with yourself. It mm-hmm. works in all of these ways, in all of these different areas, because at the end of the day, every single thing comes back to yourself and your mental state and your perspective of where you are right now. Mm, I could not have said it better myself. I always, I agree so much. I feel like I say this for so many different instances (laughs) because this is a universal practice is for everything. If you're wanting to introduce more love into your life, if it's, you know, for self-love, love with others, anything, anything that you want to improve and that you want more of, you need to intentionally create the space of that first you need to actively step Mm -hmm. into it and take the actions to step into it and only then will other people be able to enter and will you be in the midst of it all well exactly it's like if the space doesn't already exist within yourself other people outside of you can't go into it because it doesn't exist 
Mm-hmm. So you got to exactly. like put the walls up and build that room yourself mm-hmm. so that other people can start giving to it. Also, the things that you do on yourself, you will naturally project that onto your experiences and your environments and the people that you're communicating with and that you're meeting. Like it is all being seen through a lens of your perspective and your mental state. And mm-hmm. the more aware you are of that, the more smoothly all these things are going to run for you. Obviously not to say that you'll never have a bump in the road or another argument again, but it's going Mm -hmm. to make things just so much different than when you're just living in this state of being confused and lost and sometimes a little bit in denial or maybe even naive about things. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Because I think sometimes when people hear people say this and someone says, if you want to be loved, you have to, you know, how do I phrase it? Like people take it a kind of non-serious way when they hear someone say, oh, well, you're not putting out that energy though. People don't like that word energy. I understand. Let me rephrase it. The physical manifestation of how you're feeling. That's something that happens. If you don't love yourself and you're wanting a new romantic partner to walk into your life the way that you don't love who you are is going to show up in your behavior you're going to walk into rooms with your head down you're going to be on your phone a lot more you're going to be your body language is going to be all closed up people pick up on that consciously and subconsciously and that's what that means you know there is a physical that's how they will perceive you because that's the way Mm -hmm. that you are showing yourself Mm-hmm. exactly yeah. so it's it's not like I and I understand why when people hear someone say oh well you're not putting out the vibes of love and so you're not going to get them I get it but there is truth to that and there is a whole mm-hmm. whole system of perception that's happening when someone feels a certain way about themselves or about anything about an idea about you know their open-mindedness to something other people pick up on that through body language through you know, facial cues through all types of different things. So that's why when we say you have to create space, you have to, part of that is creating the mentality. It's changing your behavior. It's, it's, uh, it's something that you see often on Pinterest or or something. It's, uh, you know, visualize yourself as the best version of you and then show up as them. Yes. That's, that's what that means. Like you need to, when everyone says you need to, pretend to be the person that you actually want to be because then Mm -hmm. naturally like you will start to become that person Mm -hmm. it's almost I mean you could even do the same thing for listening I like pretend to be the best listener in the (laughs) world and you will naturally start to actually adopt some of those healthy habits and traits of somebody who is a good listener or Mm -hmm. I know actually this does tie in great to pretending to be what you want to be i took Mm -hmm. it a little bit extreme though so maybe don't do this but (laughs) as it was in regards to listening (laughs) um i i was just always so empathetic and so trusting and i would take on it you didn't even have to be my family member or a good friend of mine anyone 
who would talk to me and spill any kind of baggage. I was taking it on as if this person was my husband or wife. Like Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. taking it on as if I'm literally living in this person's body with them. And like, if they're not getting through it, I'm not getting through it. So we're doing it together, (laughs) which is a great quality in a friend. But also you just become everyone's dumping ground for everything because everyone knows, oh, yeah, she's a great listener. If I tell her all this, like she's not going to stop until it's almost fixed for me. And I that's really started to show where all these people around me all the time, constantly, it was like people weren't coming to me with good things anymore. And Uh the only reason that people were talking to me or coming to me with things was when it was something negative or a problem or something like that and Mm -hmm. I was taking it like I was doing the exchange I was carrying so many people's bags that Mm -hmm. I like freaking lost some of my own I was sinking into the dirt it was just too much and I remember literally being like 16 17 years old and Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with 10 people's problems and everybody has their own problems having 10 people's emotions and issues on and stresses on your back is just too much for anyone to handle and I kind of had a moment where I just broke down and I was like I can't do this and of course my parents and other figures in my life were telling me like they're taking advantage of you like you are too empathetic in this case like you can listen to them without literally putting yourself in their shoes and walking in them like you Mm. can separate yourself from a bit you need to create a little bit of a wall create a boundary there and it was really really hard for me to do at first I think if I'm looking back, I definitely would have maybe even had a conversation with these people to say like, hey, this isn't something against you. This is just something that I've accidentally done where I am taking on so many people's stresses and emotions that it's really getting to me. Like, I need to take a step back from this and not be dealing with everyone's problems all the time like blah 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 blah, whatever I didn't Mm -hmm. do that I kind of just I don't want to say cut myself off or cut them off because I obviously was friends with them but I just like almost cut off the emotion of listening Mm -hmm. so from Mm -hmm. then on I was listening to people and I would understand what they're saying and my brain would be processing the information but I was almost so unempathetic that I was like not involved enough where I was just listening to listen, but I was like, I can't listen too much or else (laughs) I'm going to be down the freaking rabbit hole. It was a very confusing balancing game. And I will say it probably wasn't even for like a year or more after that until I got to a place where I was like, okay, I feel like I have a little bit more balance now. I will admit Mm -hmm. that I still do get too emotionally involved (laughs) sometimes. Only with a few certain people in my life. But 80% of the time now, when I am listening to somebody, I am able to kind of protect my space as the listener. And Mm -hmm. listen if efficiently 
but not so efficiently that I'm not being involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds to me like you learned that you could still be an extremely supportive, caring, empathetic friend towards someone else. You just have a little bit of a, of a boundary, a little bit of a wall up between yeah. you and those emotions, you know, banging on the door, trying to break in. You know what they're trying to do. So you preemptively make sure that you're in the right place mentally. You, you're aware of what could happen. So you're employing different strategies to avoid it. And with the result of that, you're still supporting in the, the, the other person the way that they need you. But you're also supporting yourself in the way that you need yourself. And it's mutually beneficial. There's no sinking at that point yeah no it was I think I I really started in the last few years of my life implementing reflective listening Mm, because it's it's I mean people call it a tool of listening or like something I don't even know what else to call it a tool of listening that you acquire over time with practice of it's a form of listening that will almost completely eliminate any room for miscommunication, misinterpretation of words. So reflective listening, it's not about what you think they mean, because that may not always be what they actually mean. Because mm. listening listening usually breaks down in one of three ways. So either mm-hmm. the speaker is not saying what is actually meant which like I think I feel like the classic example of that is the whole like it's fine or like oh yeah go have fun when you're like (laughs) actually super upset (laughs) yeah the other person is like oh they said it's fine and that I should go have a fun night but then you're actually just sitting there crying yeah um (laughs) Or the listener doesn't hear correctly. So they're doing that passive listening. They're doing too efficient of listening. They're just sorting through any information that like reflects to them, but not actually listening mm-hmm. to what the details of what you're saying. Or the listener gives a different interpretation to the words that the person is actually saying, which I feel mm. like that obviously happens all the time with texting and things like that because there's no tone there's no body language you're reading the words you could interpret it in any way that you want and Mm -hmm. again going back to whatever your current mental state is or your perspective at that time is really going to change how you interpret things Mm-hmm. Like that video I sent you, what was it called? I was going to say I that. You, what's his name? I don't know. I, I don't know who his he was. name. There's this video. I think it's an ad for something, but it was showing how communication and listening can really be misinterpreted by text. And they were just two guys texting each other, whatever, trying to make plans for later. The one guy's freaking out, literally thinks that their friendship is over and that they're about to fight. And the (laughs) other guy's like, I'll meet you at the bar at eight. And he's like literally showing up ready to fist fight his friend. And his friend sitting there being like, do you want nachos? And it was all just because all the texts were misinterpreted because this guy was looking at everything from his own headspace and his perspective. Uh-huh. Exactly. Because I remember the guy, one of the texts, for example, was they were trying to figure out when to meet up. And then one of the guys was super chill. You know, he's in his house relaxing and he texts back, uh, maybe uh, seven or eight. I don't care. 
whatever you want. And then the person yeah. that is, I don't care, whatever you want, punctuation, like, is he mad at me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly I remember like that. that. And then he was like, oh, yeah, like, do you want to go? And then he's like, do you want to go? Oh, yeah, we'll go. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's definitely happened to me before, though. I have literally built it up in my mind for like weeks at a time that somebody was super unhappy with me and that our friendship Mm -hmm. was literally hanging off a cliff and (laughs) I was like how am I gonna approach this like I'm either walking away and this is my friend or like our friendship is gonna be over because they hate me all of a sudden and she literally was like what are you talking about yeah I was just busy at work and I had to send it super quick and I was oh, like, oh, okay, but like, it's fine. Um, so reflective listening that even can come into with texting and things like that. Yeah. Reflective listening closes the loop in communication to ensure that none of those breakdowns occur. So mm. it leads to the verification of the information that they're telling you and further uh-huh. exploration down the line. Again, when people just say like, one sentence things or like two to three word responses sometimes Mm -hmm. that's not enough for you to fully gauge what that means Mm -hmm. and so asking questions or trying to verify it by saying so you feel like this saying that back to them getting them to verify yes that's how I feel or it sounds like you're thinking about breaking up with your boyfriend is that true? Like, is that what you're saying? And they're like, no, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm just super upset. Or, oh, so you're wondering if you should quit your job or are you just wondering what Mm -hmm. to do in this type of situation? Saying, so you feel, it sounds like you're wondering if those types of things, saying that back to them will force the person to clarify either yes you are correct or no that's not what I'm actually thinking and it makes the person who's talking process and think about what they said in thinking is that actually how I mean it because that's Mm -hmm. how this person is taking it so you will really know walking away both of you that you have the clearest understanding of that exchange of information Mm-hmm. that is such a good tips tips and tricks <laughs> that is a good tips and tricks it's a su- you know under that category I mean that's such good advice that's something that I only learned and obviously I was doing it subconsciously but it's something I only learned from my coach my mentor recently um, using the other person's words to reframe because what you mentioned yeah. it's I was going to talk about the three levels of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's get into that right now because that is such a good high-level listening tool, you know, for those of you who are here because you're, you know, you want to make it even better than it Mm -hmm. already is. Asking questions as a means to absorb rather than to resolve, you know, because again, when someone is, you know, for example, if you're listening that you're giving is in the context of someone asking you for advice we feel like we're being the most proactive and we're giving the most actionable, measurable effort when we're supporting someone through words and advice Mm -hmm. because that feels like the most effort that you're giving to them. But what we have to realize is that you don't have the answer to anyone else's situation. Yeah, exactly. 
also when people a lot of the times like when it comes to ranting situations or just somebody is talking about something and it's almost in a form of which you think that the best part for you to play in that is I'm going to give them advice on what mm-hmm. I think that they should do. I tend to do that a lot when people come to me or I'll suggest things, but if you're going to do that, like that's fine, obviously, unless this person is literally telling you, like we said in our communication episode, like tell them if you just want them to listen or if you actually want them to help you, if they're mm-hmm. telling you they just want you to listen, then don't be going and trying to give all this advice that they clearly aren't asking for. But I think when you are in the situation where giving advice is kind of the way that it's leading, you also have to ask more questions to almost kind of make the other person dig deeper. Because a lot of the times when somebody is communicating to you in this sense, they're verbally working through it as they're Mm -hmm. talking to you. So the more that you're asking and you're saying like, so you feel like this, or so is this kind of what you're thinking? How does that feel? Why are you afraid to do that? Like, what's Mm -hmm. the other way that this could go? Asking Mm -hmm. those kinds of questions is going to help the person that you're talking to work through it in the moment, because that's like, Mm -hmm. that's one of the best ways to work through things is by talking about them. Of course. So that is also a major way that that's something that you can bring into the space for this person to help them. And it's not any physical advice that you're saying or suggesting that they do. It's literally just a, communication aspect that you are also bringing to the table you're helping them bounce ideas and you're bouncing questions back to help this person work through it oh we are so on the same page about this you just used the word bounce and I was about to say (laughs) bounce board bounce board is exactly what you want to be when someone needs you to listen or even if it is to give advice We think, again, like talking and giving people words is the most tangible thing and it shows that we're putting the most effort, but that's not what's going to help them the most. You know, like questions should be a mechanism to achieve depth where you lack clarity. You're trying to dig deeper. And when they're responding and they're giving you their answers, the main role that you want to be employing is being a bounce board. Because exactly like you said, people use our space of listening to understand themselves as if we're a bounce board. Because like, especially if, and you touched on this as well, especially if the person, if the reason why you're giving listening to someone is because of an issue that has to do with them, their position in life. A couple of examples that you mentioned was their career, their relationship, anything like that. That has everything to do with the workings of their inner world, not yours. So why would you approach that from your inner world? makes no sense yeah exactly you're not giving like you can always I think there's a a line with that where it's like yes you're not coming from your inner world of where all of your information that you're saying back is coming from but I think it can be useful in some situations of like Mm -hmm. if someone's struggling with their mental health and you have also struggled with your mental health then it opens up a space where you can say like I relate to that I've had that before and this is what I tried and it helped me maybe you can try that so I think that it's it's definitely not black and white with that there is a gray area Mm -hmm. of 
when it is acceptable to do that. But if it's something that like you literally don't relate to at all, you've never had this kind of situation or it's just absolutely nothing to do with you, like you are simply just listening to this person, but you can't relate. I don't think that it's the best place for you to be giving advice from your perspective Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then it's the space isn't really open for that that's more when you are the bounce board for that person and you're saying what they said back to you or you're paraphrasing what they said so that because you know like sometimes people in the moment will say things but it's not until you literally say it back to them for them to confirm or yes. you paraphrase it in a way of like you're saying something different but the meaning of what you're saying is the exact same thing as what they said sometimes mm-hmm. hearing it back said a different way but the meaning is the same it will make mm-hmm. them realize like yes that's how I feel or no that's not what I meant exactly exactly that's something too you're at such a high level that's something I learned from my mentors I have multiple coaching mentors who I'm blessed to have they're literally geniuses we actually we call one of them we refer to him as Yoda because he's just the mecca of wisdom but exactly (laughs) you see that too that trick that you mentioned which is so emotionally intelligent you see it in the FBI agents all the time I don't know I think you too I think we Mm -hmm. both have been obsessed with true crime with uh, criminal psychology all that kind of stuff forever yeah so I have watched so much content so much entertainment that has to do with the FBI and you always see that depending on there's there's two factors at play one they know who they're in the room with and they're shifting their understanding to be in the room and in the right situation, you know? And then two, when they're interrogating or they're with like someone, um, a criminal in a really fragile state of mind, maybe they they suffer from a mental disorder and they're confused uh, about what's happening to them, whatever it is, they always do so little talking. And if, for example, you know, the criminal says something like, Oh, you know, I, I I don't I don't know what I'm even trying to say. It's just it's it's been hard their situation. Yeah. Then the FBI agent replies hard, like that. Yeah, that's it because it forces them. It's like what we said in our last episode about communication is silence. If you just sit there Ooh. and let the silence build, they will keep talking. They're gonna keep thinking. It's like they do that to you in job interviews a lot. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. I have always noticed in job interviews, they'll ask you a question and you'll answer the question and then they'll just sit there quietly still. And so then it Mm -hmm. makes you almost feel like you didn't answer it properly. And then you're Mm -hmm. like going back and you're thinking about more things and you're like, okay, well, I can add this on and I I can talk about this. And you just keep talking and they just keep Mm -hmm. listening. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the best question is literally no question just silence and letting them sit in their thoughts of what they just said because you get nervous you get anxious and you just keep then your brain starts going and thinking and you're kind of word vomiting Mm -hmm. and when you're working through something you almost have to force yourself or force the other person to have a little bit of word vomit to like get it out because Mm -hmm. a lot of the times people will also try and just the same as you filter information you're hearing, people will filter information that they're saying. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. in order to walk away from a situation with complete understanding on both ends or as close to complete understanding on both ends, you guys have to both be aware that you're filtering what you're hearing, they're filtering what they're saying, and you almost have to break down those walls a little bit just to be completely open to everything in the space. Mm, I fully agree. I agree with you. I think that silence is as powerful as a mechanism to dig deeper as questions are. Questions and silence, both very good shovels to dig deeper with. Uh, in conversation. <laughs> I fully agree. And something else that you mentioned a little bit too, with the reflective learning as well, I feel like you could play in a bit, is another thing that I know I do, and I feel like you do this as well when we listen to people, is that we listen for information and we kind of listen yeah. for who they are. Because me, I know, even if this is my first conversation with someone or it's a casual conversation, I don't want to sound like a total psych major when I say that I do this every time someone talks to me, but I listen for things like the types of words that they use. I listen for hints as to how they feel about themselves, how they feel about others, what their intents are, what their motive is. And by motive, I'm not being like, I love FBI stuff. I'm always listening for a motive. No, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what motive drives them generally in life? You know, yes. what are their fears? Because no matter what you're talking about with someone, if you're listening for, and you know that you're planning on doing that and you do it actively, you can hear what constitutes a person entire being. And I do have, yeah. um, There's actually a super interesting example of that that I came across in my personality class recently. It's called the thematic apperception test. And it was developed in the 30s, the 1930s at Harvard. Basically, and I think that they still use this today when they were doing research to find out what people's motive is. There's, um, I believe it's called the big three motives. There's need for uh, power, need for achievement, need for intimacy. When they were trying to figure right. that out uh, with different uh, participants, they would have them look at pictures, just completely subje- um, not subjective, objective pictures of like, let's say, I, I remember one of them was two people in a lab and one of them is saying something to the other and they would have them write a story, short story with a beginning, oh. middle and end about what they're perceiving and then they would code the type of language used they would code you know any possible fears any trauma whatever it is they would code all the language and then they could with such such good accuracy they could find what the person like who that person is just by doing that yeah that is so interesting I literally want to do that test like on myself (laughs) how do we do this (laughs) I'm pretty sure that self-reporting doesn't work in that because the the trick of, of making people tell stories is kind yes, of... they a, don't know what it's being used for. Yeah, it probes their subconscious a little bit because if you ask somebody, what's your motive in life? Do you need power? Do you need achievement? Do you need, do you need intimacy? They don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that when you were talking about it. I was like, geez, I don't freaking know, man. Like, Yeah, yeah but there are the like... Above. <laughs> no exactly everyone has one dominant one but of course all of us are driven if you're a human without any type of disorder you're driven by all three of those things on a daily basis but uh yeah that's definitely a really interesting one that you can try to do I mean don't let it detract from the listening that you're offering to someone but listening for 
information is super powerful because then you see this all the time with coaches. I see this with my mentors all the time. You'll be talking about something that they have no way of knowing anything about it. And then they're Mm going to make a statement and say, let me guess, like, is, is this something for you? Did this ever happen to you? Is this what you believe about this, whatever? And then you'll be like, yes. How did you know that? It's because they listen for who you are at all times. Because that's how they're going to help you. That's how they're going to support you the best if they get a sense of who you are. Like people, um, for example, there's research on personality research on introverts and extroverts. If you're, let's say, a psychologist and you know that your patient's an introvert, you can help them way better because you're not just going to let them talk for a full hour you're gonna have a more structured session with them because for an introvert talking for 50 minutes it feels like five hours for an extrovert it's it's time flies it's easy you know so it's like listening for especially if you're if your goal is you want to try to help support yourself and support others more you i would recommend to start training in that you're not going to get it all at once but start training in it it's it's interesting but the more that you the more that you are aware of it and the more that you practice these things the Mm -hmm. better you will get and then eventually it'll just be how you listen it'll just be coded in your brain that when you're listening to somebody you're doing all these things you're listening for these things you're asking questions you're repeating Mm -hmm. things back to them you're getting clarification Mm -hmm. it's like a muscle that you have to strengthen you everybody has it within them yeah exactly Mm -hmm. everybody has it within them but some people's are stronger than others but that doesn't mean that you can't make it stronger yeah and i think i think when we know that some people are better listeners than others like if you think about it this way no one's born a good listener it depends on the way that you're socialized and how your family listens and etc etc but it's Mm -hmm. all to say that this is malleable these are things that you learned in your early childhood or whatever you can yeah. learn it in a different way and adapt in a different way at any point in your life, you know? Exactly. Like, you're and not just you a know, bad listener. Sometimes, and I feel like it, you so you need to admit to yourself, like, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I am a bad listener. Sometimes I'm a mm-hmm. great listener. Sometimes I'm a bad listener. But I think the most important thing is that you're trying to be a good listener the majority of the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. you are so stressed out, you have your own things going on. Maybe you just literally had a mental breakdown five minutes ago and now your mm-hmm. friend is calling you having a mental breakdown and you're just like, I can't do this right now. Like, yeah. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to help you, but like, I can't fully step out of what I'm feeling right now. And that's okay to to be aware of and to understand, maybe communicate to that, that to the other person. And when mm-hmm. you are feeling in a better position to listen, you can reapproach them and be like, hey, let's have that conversation that we already tried to have. I think it's just about making the effort. You have mm-hmm. to make up for it. If you can't do it in the moment, that's okay. Because then you're also, you're falling into that space of not protecting yourself as a listener. If you're going mm-hmm. into a vulnerable situation and you're already feeling so vulnerable, but just mm-hmm. being aware of that and making it known and then mm-hmm. making up for it afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's it's what we mentioned in our first episode about communication. Like you're not, for example, like if you're, if you're mad at your significant other for anything, you're really not pulling in any wins by just being like, I'm fine. 
and then like making them try to guess what it is you're really not winning when you're doing that you're not establishing like a yeah a place of like you know holding power over them because they did something wrong no one's winning by you doing that the best thing you can do in communication is be so clear and transparent again like within means depending on the situation but just being clear and communicative and I have just as a, a quick example for what you said I have one of my closest friends she whenever she's going through a rough patch and she's dealing with a lot of things and she wants to come to me for support frequently um she'll text me first before calling me instead of just calling me and then she asks me are you in you know, like, do you have the emotional capacity to, to support me right now? I need to talk to somebody. She asks yeah. me first. And then, look, yeah. worst case, it's a no. It's okay. You go to other resources. You go to someone else. But yeah, exactly. I think that's a super healthy practice, you know? And I think in the same way that we said in our last episode where I was talking about how sometimes I like to sit with things before I am, like, ready to communicate them openly with somebody else. Yeah. And communicating that and saying like I'm not ready to right now I'm not in the place to right now that Mm -hmm. can be the same thing for listening you're not a bad person for saying like hey I'm sorry I'm just I'm dealing with a lot right now I don't feel like I can listen to you in the way that you want me to and that I want to can Mm -hmm. you please call me tomorrow or can I call you this weekend and we can talk about it obviously don't just be like, no, I don't have time to listen to your problems because yes, exactly. that you're so rude. But there yeah. is a way to communicate that, hey, no, I'm not available for that right now, but I will make it something on my list. Like I will mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because again, it's like you're not, it's not shitty to do that. What's shitty is to pretend like everything's fine and then just give the most ha- half-assed you know, listening or support or whatever. It's yeah, just to, to exactly. act like there's clearly something wrong and you're not being straight up about it. That's kind of shitty. What's not shitty is setting boundaries and affirming to the other person, I wish I could help you. I care about you so much. I promise I'm going to make it a priority. I'm trying to get into a space so I can be there for you. I'm just not right now. So is it okay if, you know? Yes, like that's the exactly. way to go about that. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good note to end on unless you have anything else to say. We're obviously going to do many more podcasts all about communication and listening. I really want to talk about communication in the world of technology Mm -hmm. in an upcoming episode. So we definitely, this isn't going to be the last of what we have to say about all these things. We're constantly learning, we're constantly evolving, and we're constantly going to have more things to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I love how you said that. We are constantly learning and that's why we're going to, you know, the conversation is going to evolve. Maybe we do another episode about listening in a year and uh, it's completely different. But I do agree. Uh, I I feel really. Yeah, I feel really happy about, uh, you know, everything that we covered. I think it's really good tips. It's at least a great starting place, you know, like just quick, like you said, sometimes you're you're giving good listening sometimes you're not giving the best listening the point is that it's changeable and it's in your hands yeah. you know so just yeah exactly train in it that's all that you can do um you know if you have any other specific aspects of communication that you want to hear about we're always open to learning more to taking the time to look into the topic give you uh, yes you know what we can about it so please let us know 
if that's the case. And you can uh, message us, uh, check out our website, Instagram, TikTok, all of that kind of stuff will be in the podcast notes below. And that's also where you can find the links to message us these kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. So thanks so much for uh, joining us in the space of listening and communication today. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week. I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>